Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 15. This is the word of the Lord. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, again, we thank you for a time in your word. We thank you for your spirit who opens your word to us, gives us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds and hearts to understand. So, Lord, we pray that we would come now with uh, humble hearts. We would come with hearts that are ready to submit to you and to your truth and in, to your will for our lives. Father, we don't come to sit in judgment. We come to be judged by you and your word and to orient our lives in the direction that you would have us go. So toward that end, we pray that you would help us uh, and bless us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. May be seated. Last week when we looked at these very same verses, it was with the hope that as we understand the truth that's contained in them and as the Spirit of God applies that truth to our hearts and our lives, that we all, as believers in Christ, would display among ourselves and to the world outside of these walls a clearer, sharper image of the Jesus who indwells his people, because we know that the world desperately needs to see a vivid picture, a crisp, clear image of who really Jesus is. The world needs to see real, living examples of people whose lives have really been and radically been transformed by the Jesus who indwells them. And so we return to the passage this morning to ring more truth out of it that will help us to achieve that goal, to bear a clearer, crisper, sharper image of Christ in our world. So look with me, if you will, at verses 15 and 16. It says there, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. That's what we talked about last week. And then it says, making the most of every opportunity. The English Standard Version reads, making the best use of time. And that's the call that goes out to you and to me this morning. We are called by God to make the most of every opportunity that he gives to us. We're called by God to, to use the time that he gives to us as a gift in the very best way possible. And so that means that you and I, we have to be intentional people. Intentional about living lives as those who belong to Christ. Intentional about taking every opportunity that we are given to display the character of Christ in our lives. I know that Paul sees this as a vital part of the life of everyone who is a believer in Christ because he writes it not only to these believers who are in this church at Ephesus, he writes it also to the believers who are in the pews in the church at Colossae. He, he writes in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Devote yourselves to prayer, being thankful, being watchful and thankful, and, and pray for us too, 
that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so between these two parallel verses, the one in Ephesians and the one in Colossians, we are encouraged to make the most of every opportunity, every opportunity for evangelism. Our words, we are called for for them to be seasoned with salt, full of grace. As we speak to everyone, particularly those who are not believers in Christ, with the hope that our words of grace, that our words seasoned with salt, through them they might become believers. We are encouraged to take the most of every opportunity to know what the Lord's will is. Talked about that last week. Avoid whatever interferes with our understanding of what it is the Lord wants us to do in our lives. Be intentional about it. Another way of saying it is don't make assumptions. Every one of us in this room, by experience, knows what it's like to make assumptions. And every one of us in this room, by experience, knows what it's like to make assumptions that are incorrect. We know what happens. Don't let this opportunity pass you because you assume you'll have another opportunity. Don't let this year pass you by because you assume you'll have another year. Don't let this day pass you by because you assume you'll have another day. Don't let this hour pass by because you assume that you'll have another hour. You may not. Make the most of every opportunity. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't I? What are we waiting on? Why do we think we should just let them pass us by? Why not grab the opportunity now? My wife, Kathy, when she was in college, she had a professor. And before this professor sent her students out into the world, she gave them all this sage piece of advice. She said, wherever you go, wherever you go, when you leave here, unpack your bags. You know, those are great words to live by because where you are is where you are. And what she meant by that is be there, be where you are. Don't waste your time. Don't squander opportunities because you're in a holding pattern of of some sort, waiting for something better, waiting for something different to come along, you know, waiting for your life to really get started, waiting to finish school and then dot, 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 waiting to get that job, then dot, 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 waiting to get married, then I'll dot, 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 waiting to have children. And then I'll dot, 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 waiting for the children to leave home. (laughs) Never mind, children. Dot, dot, dot. Waiting for a particular career advancement. Then dot, dot, dot. I'm waiting to retire to have more free time. Then I'll dot, dot, dot. If you live that way, you never really unpack your bags. You never really live in the moment. Yet, the moment we have is this moment. And the opportunities we have are are these opportunities in front of us now. And we can't let them pass by because we assume something better is going to come along later. And so this is what Paul writes now, not to the Colossians, the Ephesians, but to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 29, Paul writes, "But, But let me say this, dear brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short. 
So from now on, those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. Those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of this world should not become attached to them. For this world, as we know it, will soon pass away. The world is going to go on. People are going to continue to be married. There are going to be events in all of our lives. Some will make us happy. Some will make us sad. We'll continue to have to buy things, you know, to live in this world. And those new things will bring us pleasure. A new car, a new house, something new to wear, a new app, I don't know, for our our cell phones. But none of that's supposed to consume us. None of those things, none of those relationships distract us from this fact. Time is short. So the people of this world, especially those who don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, they really need, for you and for me, not to be distracted. Not to be distracted by those things that that consume us. Because we remember that time is short and people need the Lord and it's not okay for us to get around to it eventually. People who need help, they need help now. People who need hope, they need hope now. People who need healing, they need healing now. Not after we finish playing and being entertained by our stuff or obsessed with ourselves and our relationships that center on gratifying us. A sense of urgency is in these verses. And definitely a call to intentionality. Urgency and intentionality. Urgency and intentionality. That's uh, the, the thrust of these verses. And that's what Paul wants to instill in those who are believers in Christ. Because the world needs to see a sharp, clear image of Christ and those who know him and love him. And so he was intentional about the word that he, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, chose to communicate to the believers at Ephesus and to us today. And the word that Paul uses here for making the most is a a word from the marketplace. And it literally meant this, to buy up at the market. And it's the intensive form of the verb that's used. And so in our minds, we could get a picture of a busy market, you know, a, a bazaar crowded with people. The merchant comes out and he places the, the sale sign on the fabric table. And he shouts out, buy now. Prices may never be this low again. And what happens? People rush to the table because they want to buy up the opportunity. They want to buy up the bargain. They want to make the most of the opportunity that's before them. That's the ancient version of, of what Kmart discovered. Anybody remember the blue light special? You know, they had that flashing blue light on that little rolly thing. And the announcer would come over for the next hour only. Aisle three, such and such is on sale. And people would rush to that aisle to take advantage of the bargain. That's the word that Paul employs here. Buy up time, literally, uh, is what he's calling us to do. So what would we have to do if we had to purchase time? If it wasn't given to us freely, if we had to buy our time, what would we do? You know, would we waste it? I don't know if you've seen the the movie from 2011 with Justin Timberlake called In Time. But in that movie, everybody gets 25 years. Everybody gets 25 years. But when you turn 25, your clock starts ticking. And after 25 years, you only get one year. That's it. One year of time is all that you are given. Any time beyond one year, you have to buy. 
And so you go to work and you're paid at your job not with paper currency, you're paid with living currency. So the more you work, the more hours you get added to your life. And you have to trade living, living currency, you have to trade these hours of your life for things that you need, like food and clothes and a place to live. And so the people of Dayton, this time zone in which Justin Timberlake lives, they have to make choices. If they want to have enough hours to live to make it back to their job the next day where they can work and earn more hours to live, you know, they may have to go without food because they don't have enough hours to trade and still have enough hours left to make it to work the next day. And so you kind of get how it goes. And it's complete fiction, the movie, but it's really uh, intriguing and thought-provoking. What would we do if time wasn't free for us, if we had to work for it? You know, how much of it would we waste? This is how Paul wants us to look at time so that we see time in our hands in the same way that we see currency, money in our hands. We only have so much of it and we have to decide how we're going to spend it and on what we'll spend it because when it's gone, we won't have it anymore. So buy up the opportunities. Now, let me see. I have 180 minutes left before I go to bed tonight. 180 minutes. How else? Okay, 20, 40, 50. Okay, 60 minutes I'll spend on this particular thing. And I don't know what that is. I don't know what choices you're going to have to make in your life. What good things you could do or what better things uh, you may choose. I just know this, that each of us has to be intentional about using the time that God has given to us. We've got to invest that time in a way that produces dividends that are eternal. We must look at every opportunity, not as though it will be available tomorrow and the next day or the next day after that, but as if this may be the last. You know, David was rich and David was powerful. David could have anything he wanted because David was king. He spoke. People did what he commanded. And yet David, top of the heap, pleaded with the Lord. Psalm 39. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. You've made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth, not knowing who will get it, not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My hope, my only hope, is in you. I don't know every struggle that David had in his life. I certainly know the struggle that he had with Bathsheba and the the sin that happened there as David uh, went after her and sought her and and got her. I don't know what other battles uh, that he had to fight to keep from being distracted by or completely abandoned to. All the pleasures of the world in which he lived that were readily available to him at any time that he wanted them. So I hear in this prayer a plea coming from a man who had everything for the Lord to help him make the most of every opportunity. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth is. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. And then David comes to this realization, Lord, where do I put my hope? 
My only hope is in you. And you see, it's for lack of putting our hope in the Lord that we don't make the most of every opportunity to, 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 to invest our time in ways that have eternal significance. It's because we put our hope in the career that we seek for ourselves. It's because we put our hope in the image that we are trying to craft for ourselves. It's because we put our hope in the things that we can accumulate for ourselves that we don't have the time to make the most of every opportunity because we're so focused on ourselves. We hope that career will satisfy us. We hope that that image will satisfy us. We hope that if we have just enough stuff, if it's the right stuff, that will satisfy us. But take it from David, the man who had it all. It doesn't. In the end, our only hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the hope for the world as well. And so we, you and I, make the most of every opportunity to let them know that. To know that hope, that satisfaction can be theirs in Jesus. And I belabor this point this morning because Scripture does over and over again. New Testament, Old Testament, doesn't matter. This call goes out to people who have faith in the Lord to evaluate our lives and how we're living them and who we're living them for, ourselves or the Lord. And whether we're focused on the temporal, that which is fleeting, or whether we're focused on the eternal, that which lasts forever, and whether we're using our time and our lives to invest in what's passing away or whether we're investing our time and our lives in what never will, Make the most of every opportunity, Paul says. How are you doing that? Finally, this morning, I, I want to move on quickly and look at one more command from this passage. Something that we must do, something we must do if we will display the sharp image of Christ, if we will make the most of the opportunities that present themselves to us, then we must be filled with the Spirit of God. Look in verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You know, the, the Greek word debauchery means excess without any limits. Excess without any limits, reckless abandonment. And in Paul's day, drunkenness had a religious aspect to it. <laughs> Sorry, that doesn't work anymore. But, you know, it did then. And, and people worship the god of wine, Dionysus, during the Bacchus uh, festivals. And the worshipers believed then that they were united to this God. They were indwelled by this God. They were um, controlled by a Dionysus who gave them special powers and gave them special abilities only when they were drunk. And so they would throw caution to the wind, all restraints out the window, and they lived their lives without control, with, rec uh, with reckless abandon and drunkenness. And so Paul draws a comparison between being drunk on wine, being controlled by wine and given over to it, and being filled with the Spirit. And his point here is that something is going to control your life. Something is going to control your life. When you're drunk, it's the alcohol that controls you. How many times have we heard someone defend or apologize for the drunk who says something offensive, and they say, oh, you know, never mind. He didn't mean that. She didn't mean that. That was the alcohol talking. We've heard it over and over. Controlled by that. Paul calls believers here to be controlled by the Spirit. So that when we are full of the Spirit, 
So that when we're controlled by the Spirit that God has given us in abundance, then the words that come out of us truly are words of grace, seasoned with salt. The acts that we do, they really are when we're controlled by the Spirit. Acts of love and compassion and mercy. One of the greatest challenges I ever have as a, as a pastor is trying to talk about the Holy Spirit of God with, with words. To explain, to understand myself and to explain to you what it means to be filled with the Spirit. I guess because the Spirit of God is just that. You know, He's a Spirit. Because there's mystery to His being and to His work. Because what is inexplicable and the Spirit of God, those two go together. Can't explain it. It's the Spirit of God. But I know this. The Feast of the Tabernacles was the greatest of all the celebrations of the Jews in the course of a year. And every day that seven-day celebration, a specially appointed priest took a golden pitcher and he went to the pool of Siloam and he was accompanied by a great group of, of worshipers. And there he would dip a pitcher of water and he would return with those worshipers to the temple through the water gate. And he would take that water up to the altar and there he would pour that water into this magnificent silver container. And while he poured that water, which represented to those people the Holy Spirit of God, and while they sang, God's people remembered God's promise from Isaiah 44. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my Spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Remember the promise of Joel chapter 2. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And so while the water was poured and the worshipers prayed, they said this, may God send his spirit upon us now. And on the last day of that feast, when the altar was circled not just once, but when it was circled seven times, and when all that water was being poured, that abundance of water was being poured, representing the Holy Spirit, Jesus stood up in the temple at that moment, and he cried out in a loud voice, probably because the singers were singing so loudly, and Jesus shouts out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. See, God fulfilled his promise. He sent his Spirit, not grudgingly, not in a meager, stingy amount, but in abundance, in a flood. I know this to be true, because God's Word says it's true. If you are a believer in Christ, you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. An abundance of the Spirit of God is available to you. I know this to be true because the Word of God tells us it's so. And so you and I, the call that goes out to us this morning is to to yield our lives to the control of the Spirit, to His fullness. Every day you have a choice to make. And I have that same choice to make. Who is going to control my life today? Am I going to control my own life? Go my own way? Do my own thing, you know, accomplish my own will, or, or, or will I be controlled by? Will I be submissive to the Holy Spirit of God, to His way? 
and His will and His power for my life. Because when we're full of the Spirit, submitted to the work and the power of the Spirit of God, there's evidence of it in our lives. And then we've come full circle because that's what we want to accomplish anyway. We want the presence of Christ to be evident in us. And and so Galatians 5 calls it the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the Spirit produces in us. Not just one of those things. We don't go to the Spirit tree and say, oh, I'll pick love today. No. All of them. All the characteristics, all of them, evident in the lives of those who are filled with the Spirit of God. And when we are displaying those qualities, then we're displaying the image of Christ. Because that describes who Jesus was all the time. Full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's our Lord. And so it comes to this. If we will make a difference in this world for Jesus' sake, and we say that that's what we want to do, we want to make a difference in this world for Jesus' sake. And we've got to make the most of every opportunity that the Lord gives to us. And when that opportunity comes, or those opportunities come to us, we'll only be ready for them. We'll only be ready to to grab onto them and seize them when we are full of, controlled by, and yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. Let's pray together. And before we pray, we have just a few moments of silence that may not come back to us uh, for a while. Maybe just pray and ask the Lord to uh, reveal to you what some of those opportunities are. Even now, you may already know about them. Maybe you're unaware, but ask that the Spirit of God would reveal the opportunities that He's uniquely presenting to you or that He's uniquely presenting to our church that we can seize, that you can seize, that we can make the most of uh, through the power of the Spirit. And now, Father, we do pray that you would help each of us always to remember that our lives, the days of our lives, the hours of our lives are a gift given to us by you. And that your heart's desire is that your people would use the time you give to us in ways that bring honor and glory to you. 
that advance the gospel and extend your kingdom here on earth. And I pray that you would impress that truth upon us, whether we're 5 or 15 or 25 or 85, Lord, that we wouldn't make assumptions about our lives the next hour of them even. But that we would be looking for opportunities that you bring our way. That we would yield our lives every day to your control. Not our will and our way, but your will and your way. Lord, you would in fact take all of us, our hands, our feet, our lips, our voices, our minds, that you would take them, Lord, and use them uh, for your glory. Pray these things, that you would do amazing things through a group of people who are committed to making the most of every opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.